1: This is a Little Empire podcast. We're doing a mini festival with your favourite shows in Auckland, New Zealand on February 25th and 26th. Details and
2: tickets are at littleempirepodcast.com slash live.
1: Are you going to play that dastardly intro yeah, again? Try, 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 Ow! This movie's still, still fine. fine.
2: Is a cool. One of them dies, that guy's screw. One of them's a hothead, his name is Jay. One of them looks like Johnny Depp and his name is Johnny Depp. Classic maximum Joseph. You forget that films are supposed to have a point.
1: Hello, and welcome along to the worst idea of all time, episode thirty-two. I have good reason to believe. My name is Gar Montgomery, and I'm joined by nobody else because of a communication breakdown between me and my good friend Tim Bat. I'm uh, currently stationed in Perth, Western Australia, while Tim is holding down the fort back home in uh, in Auckland, New Zealand, at Little Empire HQ, and we recorded a friend zone yesterday, and uh, and we said to one another, we said, well, we'd better knock off a watch post-haste, and it was agreed that it would happen today. Uh at the time of 10 a.m. Perth, Western Australia time, uh, which is 3 p.m. New Zealand time. And yay, verily, I just watched the movie, called him up for a Skype, and what should he reveal? But he misinterpreted, or I misinterpreted, exactly the arrangement, meaning that he was preparing to watch the film right now, as I was coming off the back end of a pretty rough outing with We Are Your Friends. Uh, and so, in a moment of improvisational greatness, because we both have places to be and really need to get this bloody episode out, um, we're just banging out a few thoughts individually and he'll stitch them together, I suppose. So, I look forward to your take on who had a better version of events, me or Tim. Uh, if Tim uses creative license, I'll imagine him, but if it's, if it's just the facts you're after, then I've done a pretty good job. Uh, I'm, I'm currently lying on my bed in my lodgings and my mind is swimming really I'm very frustrated um, there's a recurring theme in my work with this film recently you'll notice the way I'm talking about it is I work with the film we're not two separate entities but every time I watch it it's sort of a collaboration it's something that we need to get through together and um, and I guess the issue is, it's just, it's it's really, I don't know who's putting in less effort at this point, if it's the movie or me, but i got to tell you, neither of us would be getting A's on our report cards for effort. Um, not that, you know, effort is kind of, it's, it's, I actually, I don't know. I'm interested to see what the take on it in America is because I remember when I was in intermediate school, I thought that effort was embarrassing, not the idea of putting it in, but the idea of getting an A for effort and a C for actual outcome. I'm just like, well, this is infuriating because I've obviously put in as much effort as I can and yet the outcome is still in no good. So what's the bloody, what's the point? Why would I not just put in a C for effort and get a C for outcome? Of course, I guess the idea would be that you'd live in fear that if you put in a C for effort, you'd get a, a, what's two down from C? D, E, an E for outcome. Um, So anyway, I got the effort prize in year eight, actually. I'd sort of, I've I've never really come to terms with that. I guess I was just trying hard and not getting results. But um, I just think that neither the movie nor myself are really seeing eye to eye on how, how things are meant to run anymore I'm not even there's no one to empathize with there's no coffee guy to hang my hat on you know there's no warlocks there's just a series of vapid people living vapid lives in Los Angeles California and um what am am I meant to do with that how how do I fit in I tried to get on board with Zicoli this week. I understand the idea that you pursue something with passion and vigor and you want to make it work as a career and I get that. And I think that they do an okay job of communicating his feelings. But I don't know. Like, I just don't know if this kid's got the goods. I've seen him work. I've been monitoring his efforts for 31 weeks, 32 weeks now and he just doesn't learn. He doesn't learn and in spite of that he still falls into the very fortunate circumstance of being taken under the wing of James Reed from the feelers a man whose mentorship is probably more valuable in terms of material offerings than it is in actual musical guidance I mean Zakoli describes him as a washout in the film but um he just I mean staying up late and working on your songs all well and good but if the song's garbage and you're not able to see that what's the point to use a comedy analogy it's like going to an open mic and seeing the same person do the same jokes that they've been doing for the last year at the same open mic and you're like this is you are living in a nightmare you're like it's there's almost an onus of responsibility on people around him this purported open mic comedian or Zakoli to step in and say hey man I appreciate you love this, and you're putting everything you have into it, and it's kind of you like you identify this as a very powerful part of your personality, but you're not getting results, and it's not going anywhere. So either I don't know, figure that out somehow, or choose something else because it's killing me watching you ruin yourself. It's destroying me. And the thing is, I guess James Reed is so washed up, James Reed from the Feelers, and his and his capacity as mentor, that in spite of the fact the Coley shows no real shred of musical promise, he still says, "I'm I'm, I'm going to get you to open for me at Summerfest." So James Reed's coasting on reputation; he's still getting booked book for the movie. Bigs up Summerfest as this huge gig, but I don't know. And I guess they show you a billboard once, but I feel like Summerfest is... If only we could break into the world of the movie and walk around and talk to other people who work as electronic music DJs and maybe see what other festivals are on in Los Angeles over that period. But i got to say, I think like it would be a much bigger deal if, if he was playing at that Las Vegas festival that James Reed played. I just don't think Summerfest is everything it's cracked up to be. I mean... We've said it before and I'll say it again. The organisation on this gig is an absolute sham. They don't even have house music. They have no music to tide the crowd over between DJs. It, I've looked out upon the ocean of uh, gyrating teens in that concrete jungle Many times before, I haven't seen a single food vendor, a drinks vendor, a bar. It's literally just a bunch of people in a car park. It's run on a shoestring, all right? The people who are in charge of this festival, it's a cash grab. They're trying to earn a quick buck by knocking up something cheap and dirty and nasty. And I do not think, and this is the problem, is Zicoli doesn't recognize this. He's so set on the idea of playing at Summerfest that he doesn't realize that playing at Summerfest is barely an achievement in and of itself playing at a sham festival, one that the organisers get done for, you know, fraudulent activity soon after the festival is finished, that's not going to look good on the curriculum vitae. If anything, it's incriminating. But that's what he wants. That's what he wants and that's what he does. And um, he doesn't play well either, which is interesting. The thing is, like, this is, this is what they built, and the the movie's ostensibly building to this the whole time is the idea of him making his break and getting a big gig. And so, within the world of the film, in spite of the fact that I refuse to believe in LA, it's considered as a big or reputable gig. He's re- get, getting ready to play Summerfest, and when James Reed uh, gifts him a MacBook Pro box, uh, I guess you could say when, when he, when he's. Uh, Getting sentimental with James Reed When he gifts him this uh, MacBook Pro box, you know, that contains whatever it contains, it changes week to week. This week, I believe it was just a small Swiss Army pocket knife. Not one with a lot of, you know, bells and whistles. It's just your very basics Swiss knife so on one side you've got the knife a pocket knife put that back in at the top you've got your toothpick and your tweezers and on the other side you've got a file and a corkscrew and a bottle opener i've always got a bottle opener which is actually quite good good on the swiss i guess if you're neutral you're going to be drinking a lot of beers to celebrate the fact i don't know i i guess that's why and the corkscrew as well. I guess some of the neutral soldiers in Switzerland also like to, like to have a glass of vino. And, and why wouldn't you? Uh, why James Reed would choose to give this to his colleague? I have. Now, I guess self-serving gift. You know, he's, he's sort of delegating menial tasks to James Reed. He's going to play at the Summerfest and then he's also, he's also going to open corked, bottle of wine, corked bottles of wine up for James Reed at Summerfest. Do some cutting. Maybe James Reed bought a new hat and the hat's got a tag on it and the tag is attached by that sort of quite strong plastic that you can bite with your teeth, but it hurts your teeth. So it's better if you have a knife on hand to just cut through the tag with a knife. You know, that sort of plastic thing. Maybe he wants, he doesn't want to wear the hat before then. He doesn't even want to cut the tag off before then in case he changes mine and takes it back. So he gives the pocket knife to Zacole and he's like, you can play the gig, but you've got to cut the tags off this hat. And Zacole's like, okay, I could just use my teeth. And he's like, yeah, but also I want to have a drink of wine. So well, you could just buy a screw top bottle of wine. He's like, I'm not, I'm not a fucking idiot. I know what class looks like. Class looks like a muscular boy of 23 opening a bottle of wine with a corkscrew on a Swiss army knife for me. That's what class looks like. Class doesn't look like rolling into town with some muscular freak in a singlet, biting tags off hats and unscrewing caps on bottles of wine. That's not class. Who knows more about class? Me, James Reed from The Feelers, one of the classiest acts of the late 90s, early 2000s in New Zealand. Or you, Zaccoli, the crying DJ with a failed pasta brand. Anyway, so... Upon giving him this gift, he reveals to Zicoli, I want you to play Summerfest. And Zaccoli is very excited by this. And this is pretty much, you know, apart from the romantic thread that they kind of try and put through the film, this is what the movie's building to. Is Zaccoli is the protagonist. We're meant to be on board with his journey. We're meant to get behind the boy, singular, in his quest for musical success. And they do this at about the 55-minute mark. Suddenly, he's been given Summerfest. All of his friends are getting along fine. They're earning okay money at this terrible, morally bereft job. Um, He's playing Summerfest. The movie is finished. And my feeling this week, as I watched it alone in Perth, Western Australia, was that They realized, Maximum Joseph et al. realized at this juncture, that they promised the studio a 90 minute film. And what they'd wound up writing, executing and submitting, almost, was a 55 minute film. And they thought, fuck. And then also on reviewing the footage they realized they hadn't put any conflict into this thing. Because every time I watch the film, and I've done it so many times now, it's embarrassing that I still fall for this trick, if you want to call it a trick. I think when I see Zacole so he gets told he's playing Summerfest. He's got a hot new pocket knife. Spirits are high. He goes for a run. And every time he goes for that run, I'm like, amazing. After this run, is going to play Summerfest. And I'm going to get to talk to my friend Tim. And then every time, instead, it's like no, that's not what happens at all. Instead, we're going to address some things that we've sort of broached, and some things that we're just cramming in here because we've got thirty minutes to film. We need a little bit of action. So suddenly, you've got James Reed discovering that Zakoli and Somali did it. It did it in Las Vegas. We don't see. We don't see penetration. This is a probably a PG thirteen to M film. But Maximum Joseph does a bit of work to suggest that Coitus has had. Um and in spite you know, in spite of not showing I I've sort of I've been softening my opinion on this. I've for, for weeks and weeks I've said that maybe they don't consummate their relationship. Maybe they just scratch each other's backs like a couple of dogs. Dogs do prefer a scratch on the tum, don't they? That's a true fact. You cat Cats like back scratches. Dogs like tummy scratches. I'm not actually 100% on what cats like. The house I'm staying at has two cats, and I met one of them, and as soon as I saw it, the cat was looking at me, and it sort of looked through me, and I realized I don't have a strong connection or relationship with cats. If I see a dog, you know, I know to offer it my hand, I know to look at the owner in the eyes before looking at the dog in the eyes. I know all of these these things, but with a cat, I'm just all at sea. I don't want it to be like that, but I'm slightly scared. I'm scared of the little claws, the little teeth. I'm scared of their unpredictable nature. Cats are crazy. Where was I? I don't have anyone to prompt me. Something along the lines of the fact that they realise that they need to fill these 30 minutes and so they create the conflict between James Reed and Zicoli which they eventually patch up this is how I know that they tacked it on because they eventually patch it up again so that he can play Summerfest it's just 30 minutes of absolute dross to fill in the time they kill off Squirrel because they (laughs) I don't know try and give the movie a sense of emotional weight perhaps Maybe the guy who was playing Screw was like, I thought it would be a good idea if we could kill off my character as a joke at breakfast one morning because everyone was being real awkward. And then Maximum Joseph was like, That's a great idea. God, that's bad, isn't it? When You, you know when you're hanging out and you do a joke because just to fill the silence, someone takes you seriously. Suddenly your character's being killed off of the movie. Oh. God, it's tough out there. It's hard out here for a pimp. Is that a song? Who knows? Anyhow, I suppose you guys are curious about my shining light, of which there was one. Um, There were two, actually, both Johnny Depp-related. The first one was when we see the montage scene of the boys getting ready to go out for their first night in LA at social, Johnny Depp leaves the house and he says, Good night, Pop. And it's very brief. I hadn't noticed it before. I hadn't noticed the you know, suggestion of a relationship between Johnny Depp and his parents. It's actually something the movie kind of brings up with all of its characters, or at least the four fuck boys. You got Zicoli and his absent parents, Mason and the the Jar folks, Jarhead and the Jar folks. Squirrel doesn't really reference his parents, and I suppose that's why they felt like it was okay to kill him off, because... Beyond those three guys, they hadn't established a connection between Squirrel and anyone. So they were like, this kid is expendable. But when Johnny Depp says goodnight, Pop, on his way out to the club with his mates, I got real shades of Matt Dillon and Crash. I don't know why. Remember that movie Crash? Paul Haggis, ex-Scientologist, was the director. I'm pretty sure it won the Academy Award for Best Film. And pretty much the whole movie was like racism's bad, you guys. And everyone watching it was like, yeah, you cloying piece of shit, Paul Haggis, we know. But Matt Dillon did turn in a powerful performance. He's a dastardly guy in the film who sexually assaults uh, someone. He pulls over in a car in front of her husband. God, it's filthy, actually. It's coming back to me now. We studied this film in in seventh form English. Hmm. Um and then, but then to show that there's two sides to every person, we see another scene where um, the racist, sexist creep that is Matt Dillon's character uh, is caring for his very elderly, very sick father. And we're like, wow. So you can be racist and look after your dad. What a crazy concept. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. It's always been a dream of mine. Uh, If I ever get to perform stand-up comedy in LA again, to go up on stage, and all I want to do is deliver the opening monologue from the movie Crash, which is, in LA, we're always behind this metal and glass. Sometimes I think we just crash into each other to feel something, and then walk off stage. Can't imagine I'd get a lot of work on the back of it, but it would feel good to me and me alone. Uh, and maybe anyone else, say one of you guys who's listening, came to the gig and saw it and had listened to this episode of the podcast, you'd be like, He always wanted to do that, and while it wasn't worth it and it didn't pay off as I imagined it wouldn't, I'm glad for him that he did it. That's why I respect you guys, is you you you, you allow and enable me to follow my dream. The other moment with Johnny Depp that I hadn't noticed is in the club. So once they arrive at social and they're all running around delivering bottle service and Johnny Depp's trying to bloody peddle his drugs. It took me a while watching this movie to realize just how you know, deep Johnny Depp is in the drug dealing game in it. Um, he, he's, so many times he's gone past this booth where a guy's sitting with three women and he goes, Hey Ali. What does he say? He says something like, Yo, Ali, hook me up with another round. I'll throw you in a vine, make you famous and shit. And I hadn't managed to, uh, you know, distinguish the different words that constructed the sentence. It had always just been a flow, a flow of words that ended in and shit. It always started with Hey, Ali, and always ended with and shit. And I realised that this guy is probably he's. It's a cameo. It's a modern day cameo. It's just some famous guy from Vine that they got for. He's actually probably. If Maximum Joseph has the attention to detail, which I imagine he does, he's probably on screen and in the movie for the exact length of a Vine, which is six seconds. Why are they getting rid of Vine? Seems like one of the few good things that Twitter still has going for. I don't know why they bury it, but hey, I'm not in business. I'm just in the business of watching We Are Your Friends. Ah... I wonder how Tim's going to get on. Like I, said, I feel like I've covered a bit of ground, and I hope you guys have had a good time with me. It's also the first time I've done one of these things. Uh, solo Bolo. Tim, of course, will still be one watch ahead of me for all of time because I do not imagine a world wherein I'll watch this movie of my own free will outside of the context of recording a podcast about it. But that's okay. I feel like I've learned a little something here. Just a little something um, so guys I'm going to hand you over now to Tim who I'm not actually communicating with but I trust will stitch these episodes together as he will give you his hot take on the 32nd I think screening of the Maximum Joseph directed Zac Efron vehicle we are your friends uh, I encourage all of you
2: Down.
1: Feels. Ow, this movie's still fine.
2: But well, what is there to say about this movie on this, the 32nd watch? Hi, everybody, it's Tim Batt here, direct from New Zealand. I'm going to assume that guy has already explained the situation, and if he hasn't, this is just very funny because we've both thought that the other person was going to talk you through what's happened. So I'm going to move move forward from that. Look, the, the movie's just finished for me. It's been a, a lonely um, solo watch for the old Timbo. And when you're there by yourself in a room, shut off from the rest of the world, just hanging out with your friends who uh, constantly disrespect you every week, you, you notice things that you haven't normally noticed before. And one thing that I noticed this week about where are your friends, one of the big problems, I think is that those assholes are getting into the house too late in the movie. So, like, the chronology of events is that things are going well. Like, they start kind of crappy. They get underpaid at the club from where's my 500, bro, bro. And then they decide to make some changes. They go to work for a real estate company. Things start looking up. They, they... They, they start getting more money. Cole's getting paid. He's, he's got a, struck up a friendship with an internationally renowned DJ. And then... And then things start falling to shit. A little bit. Like... Man, this is so bad that I don't know this with 100% certainty yet. But I, I feel like portions of my brain are kind of blocking this off. But... I think they get the house after Cole has been discovered cheating on uh, or cheating with james reed from the feeler's girlfriend Somalie, and it, it just makes for a very janky confusing tone because it's like i i get the journey from going things aren't going so good for these boys these little fuck boys a little fuck part of town and then things are on the up but then things go on the down but then things go up again but then because we've brought them up then we've got to kill one of the fuck boys because we fucked up the pacing and emotional timing and tone of the movie i think that's why they have to they have to kill squirrel squirrel didn't need to die if we put these boys into the house a little bit earlier because then everything would just it would make a little bit more sense from like a timing point of view because then it's like we we're, we're at the bottom of the mountain at the start of the movie we're heading up the mountain and then we're at the top of the mountain and there's only one one place to go from there and that's down but cuz they keep messing with it they have to kill one of the characters to to make up for how they've screwed up this is my thinking anyway so here's how okay here's how I would make the movie we got four fuck boys just fucking it up Uh, living in a pool house half of them and uh, Johnny Depp's home I mean we don't see it at any point in the movie nor is it talked about but I reckon I could paint a pretty vivid picture of what that pad looks like just from what we know about Johnny Depp I think that the entire place wall to wall has been wallpapered with leather jackets everywhere It's, it's a kind of a weird aesthetic but the dude spends his weekends Rolling around secondhand stores in the valley, just trying to get the cheapest possible leather jackets, and a lot of them aren't even leather; they're PVC, but they've been treated in a way where you could kind of confuse them for leather if you weren't up close to them, you weren't touching them. So his his whole house is just this kind of weird, dead cow, sweaty, black mess that he sleeps in, and he's got a he's got a bed made of leather jackets as well, and a, a leather jacket. Um, what do you call them in America? We call them duvets. In Australia, they call them doners. Maybe you've got a whole other word for them, you Yankees. I don't know. I don't, a blanket. He's got a blanket made of leather jackets. He's got a uh, pillow, which has a pillowcase of, um, on the outside, it's suede. And the entire contents of it, um, you guessed it, it's more leather jackets. So there's Johnny Depp's pad crazy like kind of almost a dark side of the charlie and the chocolate factory which i guess is fitting because he he was in the remake um of that so we, we got johnny depp he's coming from his Dean of leather uh squirrel's house we don't see but i'm imagining in my head like the the clearest image i have is um van wilder's apartment from the first movie i don't even know if they they go into him in the second one rise of taj but it's kind of like a real frat boy aesthetic there's probably a pinball table that he picked up on Craigslist for cheap one day and thought it'd be a real good idea to have that in there and there will be like a big flat screen tv that's being propped up on like cinder blocks and bits of four by two and uh it's got a nintendo gamecube attached to it so he can play mario kart and wait gamecube an n64 that's what he's got attached to that big old high def tv of his and not much else. It's pretty sparse. That's just what's on it. So they get, they go from their respective shitty uh, situations into, into the... Sa- oh, yeah. So, okay. So we've got our f- four fuck boys coming from, um, you know, not ideal circumstances. Uh, I mean, how Cole's living in a pool house, for crying out loud, with a, a toilet that people keep treating as a... Or a pool that people keep treating as a toilet, um, which doesn't help anyone. And so we've got these four fuck boys, and they're getting underpaid at this club right, they're, they're trying their very best just to go in there and sell drugs to drunk people, it's a, it's an honest day's work, trying to get those people who are on the suppressants, which is alcohol, onto the uppers, which is shit like E, or whatever Johnny Depp's selling, I'm assuming it's MDMA, it probably is, and that's, you know, that's a living, maybe honest is the wrong word, but it's our living, but they, they transition up, so we, we got our fuck boys. They come in. They uh, they get underpaid. They decide, you know what? We're getting out of the club game. We're going to go into the real estate market because that way you can meet more people to sell drugs to. I think that's a smart idea. So they're going around houses. It's not. It's not it, in the movie. In my version of it now, um, when we meet, uh, like when we're introduced to the property empire, right? Gold Star Realty Solutions. Mouthful of concrete, dick full of diamonds. We're in there with Paige, and the boys have a different role in my version. They actually become real estate agents. They're not there on computers and telephones with the little Madonna mic trying to get predatory lending practices in their favor and like take people's houses off them. No, no, no. They're actually out there greeting people, shaking hands, pressing the flesh, kisses on the cheeks, renting expensive cars they can't afford to project an image of wealth so that they can trick people into buying houses off them because guess what that's what a real estate person does so they're all real estate agents and they kind of they're all in like shitty suits but you know they're still suits so they look kind of dressy but the kind of suit that you wear when you're when you're about 15 and you go into your first uh formal ball like your school ball your um your prom as you call it in the states and that nothing quite fits or maybe it's like a it's got shoulder pads in it because it's from the 80s it's been it's, it's one off the rack doesn't fit so good so they're going around they're meeting people they're selling drugs to the people they're like hey um small child and uh, two parents huh you're in your early 30s and you're looking to enter the property market you know what you need a shit ton of marijuana that'll improve your life um it'll, it'll be a great thing uh, and then so they sell a house and then Johnny Deppson they're selling drugs on the site, so it's like a twofer. They get their commission off the, the sale of the property plus the drug sale. So things are going on the up. Paige is happy because he's he's getting an increased portfolio of all these properties coming through Gold Star Realty Solutions Limited, mouthful of concrete, dick full of diamonds. And the boys are happy because they're making money. So then we meet James Reed, who is actually looking for another bigger house with Somaly. And that is his introduction to Cole, the crying DJ. So Zucchelli's there in his ill-fitting suit, showing James Reed around. James Reed sniffs bullshit on this dude. He's like, "You know what, dog? That suit is bad. But there is something about you that I can't quite put my finger on that I like. I'm buying this house, and they haven't even entered the property at this point. And Zucchelli's just like sweating profusely because he doesn't know how to handle a million-dollar deal." And he's never actually sold a house before. He was trying to think in his head of how to justify the concept of a looking pool to someone who wants to move into a place with an actual swimming pool. Um, but this guy, James Reed from the Feelers, has taken all that weight off his shoulders. So they're now they're popping champagne. They're having cigars. They're having a good time. Uh, he's hanging out with, with Somali. And uh, James Reed from the Feelers invites him around for a few parties. You know, he's in a new place. he got to break it in. So is like DJing and crying and, and DJing and crying to the looking pool, and uh, and, and and then one time when James Reed uh, f's off to the um to his little studio with a girl that he's found because he is he is known for cheating on his girlfriends. Very sad. Um, Zicoli, the crying DJ, sees his chance to uh, cheat as well. So he grabs Somali and they go into the one one of the other ninety bedrooms in the house that I mentioned. There were ninety bedrooms because there is, and they get their rocks off. It's crazy stuff. It's ludicrous. And so then we have the fuck boys earning their money that they come in and they're still living together because um, they haven't quite nailed it to the extent where they're getting their own places yet. Plus, they kind of like hanging out with each other. And then, the, OK, so everything's going great for the boys. They've got money. They've got friendship. Uh, Zicoli's got a new love in his life. And then things start going downhill. Why Why does it hurt a little bit when Zicoli goes to the bathroom? Oh, guess what, son? You got an STI. Why is that? Well, mainly because you didn't heed the advice of Van Wilder, don't be a fool, wrap your tool. And, and now you're going to have to get on the penicillin, son, because that jackass boyfriend of Somali's, um, old James Reed from The Feelers, he's been slinging dick all, all around town. Like a little master fuck, boys. So... Uh, he's he's at the doctor, he's getting his penicillin on, he's freaking out because he's never had an STI before. And, uh, and and shit's going on with the rest of the boys too. Uh, we find out that um, Johnny Depp uh, is allergic to leather and it's like something that's just come on real suddenly. So he start, his skin starts reacting to it. And uh, Jarhead finally gets diagnosed um, with a personality disorder because his anger management problems have really come to the fore while he's trying to sell properties so uh his employer page has has like ordered that you know he's got two options you got two options you either go to anger management or you're through with real estate um there's there's my best page and so he decides to go to anger management and um do do you know who's there do you know who's there at anger management adam sandler (laughs) it's the craziest thing Um, so he's in there, and they're just yelling at each other, but Adam Sandler's doing it with all the crazy voices, and Jarhead's doing it. He's just mad. He's just a furious kid, dressed like Hillary Clinton, a little bit, because he does wear pantsuits everywhere. He's opted to go for a more, um, untraditional dress code while he's showing people around the houses in LA. The rest of the dudes are in suits. Jarhead's decided to go with a pantsuit. It's LA. It's hot. You get a little, little more breathable, um you know, fabric when you're dealing in the pantsuit world. So he's rocking around in that, looking like Hillary Clinton, yelling at, at, at Adam Sandler, and it's a bit of a mess. And Squirrel, instead of dying, because we've correctly paced this film, uh, he, he unfortunately gets told that the marks that he got back from the university that he went to were incorrect. They've had to go back and review a whole lot of tests Scores that came out from kids who were there at the time. And guess what? He doesn't have the degree in biological engineering that he thought he had. It's been taken off of him. So Skrill's gutted, but, you know, still very much alive. Zicoli's got a disease on his Johnson. Bloody Johnny Depp's one true love, leather jackets, and now, much like Romeo and Juliet, the thing that he can't have. And uh, bloody Jarhead's there swearing up a storm, unable to fulfill his duties as a as a real estate agent. So what happens next? I'm glad you asked. Well, here's what I think happens. To turn Somali into, like, the hero of this film, she has to go around fixing all this stuff. So the first thing is, is her and Zicoli the Crying DJ have a sit-down chat just next to the looking pool about what's happened. They unpack their feelings about each other. And she's like, Look, I messed up. I should not have cheated on my boyfriend. It's a terrible thing to do. Even though I know that he's doing the same thing to me all the time on tour. This is not the appropriate way to deal with that situation. I'm i I'm supposed to talk to him and maybe break up with him if that's what I think needs to happen, not just lash out secretly. This this is not good. And then uh Zicoli says, You know what? That's very mature outlook, Simele. Thank you so much for, for for, you know, talking with me about this. By the way, um you gave me chlamydia. So what do you think about that? And uh and, and she's none too happy. She's none too happy with this news because um number one, you know, it's embarrassing. And number two, it means that her boyfriend has given her chlamydia. So it's like what the fuck? It's not good. So she has a moment of palpable anger. She starts yelling. This triggers Jahid off because he's just arrived on the scene out of nowhere. He's in the background. He sees someone yelling. He's like, sweet ass. And people are yelling by the looking pool. I love yelling. That is my favorite thing to do. So he goes over and joins Somali. They start having a, a yelling match at each other. Who, who comes in now? But um, Johnny Depp himself rolling in. Uh, just head to toe in boils and rashes. Disgusting. It's like... It's hard to look at, and you feel bad for him because it looks painful. He's just itching himself, but he is wearing full leather, like George Michael, Faith era leather pants, leather jacket. He's had enough of being away from his true love, uh, leather. So he's just he's wearing it all, and he's being defiant against his own um, immune system, which is fighting back against him. Uh, squirrel, squirrel, at that point, um, rides in on his uh, BMX you know because he seems like a bmx kind of guy and he's like hey what's happening everybody um, uh, i uh i feel bad because i thought i had a degree in um uh biological engineering uh from that university i went to but they, they took it off me so i'm not as smart as i thought i was and then suddenly so really, sort of suddenly adopting the role as dorothy from the wizard of oz says hey hey fuck boys these aren't the fuck boys I, I got to know and love at the parties we went to together, breaking this house in while you guys were making tons of money from real estate dealings. Not at all. So here's what we're going to do. Squirrel, we're going to go to an escape room. You're going to be the leader. We're going to get out of there, and it's going to be because of your big brain. I'm going to prove to you that you're an intelligent young man. Zakoli We're going to go down to an STI clinic. We're going to get this cleared up. Chlamydia is very common. It's not such a big deal. We're going to get this done. And then I'm going to break up with James Reed from The Feelers so I can start dating you, the crying DJ, and have the most attractive child known to man who's got special powers. But we don't have time to get into that yet because I've got to outline what's going on with Johnny Depp who is just itching himself and bleeding into the looking pole at this point is he's, he's got open sores on his arms it's um, like this isn't pretty and I'm sorry to point it out but I'm just saying what's happening in my version of the film but she says you know what we're going to do for you Johnny Depp we're going to get you some cream we're going to get you some lotion and we're going to find the best synthetic substitute for leather that money can buy this one's on me I'm going to buy you an entirely new wardrobe and I'm going to do it with James Reed from the Feelers credit card and if he has any problem with that guess what I'm going to threaten to take half of everything he owns because we're in a de facto relationship and the courts, I'm pretty sure, will be on my side. And And the, the sun comes up and everyone's happy. And that's your picture, folks. That is your picture. That is how you correctly pace the emotional journey of We Are Your Friends. Uh, it's a different film. It's a slightly stranger film, but I think more fulfilling. And one that I'd appreciate watching at this point in proceedings. Now, shining light for the movie that I did just watch. Um, I wrote this down on a scrap of paper. Oh yeah, it's the cool guy who... Um, so there's a bit when uh, we're experiencing the burgeoning friendship of Zaccoli and James Reed from The Feelers. And they're playing a few sets together. And there's one shot where they're in the club. And uh, it's actually part of a sequence where Zaccoli has sex with a girl, presumably, in the bathroom of the club. And before that, we see um, James Reed from the field is also like chatting up this girl and ha- talking to her against a wall, and they start pashing. That's Kiwi for uh, French kissing, by the way. And during one of the shots, they're up on this raised platform, Zacole and James Reed are, and there's just this real cool dude with a beanie who's standing to the right of James Reed, just nodding his head. And you know what? I've never seen him before, but I saw him this week, and I loved him. I loved his energy, and I loved his aesthetic. It was cool. He was a cool guy. Um, I guess doing a um these other segments without guys sort of you do them. You don't love it, but you do them. So here we go. Here we go, everybody. And a five, six, seven, eight, getting sentimental with James Reed. Um, okay, so, what do we got? MacBook Pro box. We've got a gift. We know it's self-serving. We know it's going from James Reed, the crying DJ, to Zocoli. I mean, shit. James Reed from the feelers to Zocoli, the crying DJ. What's in that box? I'll tell you what's in that box. It is... a... flashlight! It's a prosthetic box in a box. And as soon as Zakoli opens it and he's like whoa what the fuck man that's, that's, that's a pretty weird thing to give someone he says <laughs> yeah it's just a goof I just wanted to freak you out I didn't get you any present this is for me this is for me only and just takes it right back off him and then slaps him upside the head with it um, and then makes him eat a whole birthday cake by himself because Zakoli, the crying DJ is the little bitch of James Reed from The Feelers as long as they're hanging out they've got a weird power dynamic that's what's happening there we go. It's, it's the quickest getting sentimental with James Reed you've ever seen. Um, to round off the episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, as always, Audible.com, for uh, for helping this episode get out. Tell you what, Audible, you're a cool service. What do you do? Delighted you asked. But I would ask you to maybe pay more attention to your own business model before you open your mouth and start throwing around such uh, weird, large questions about your own existence. Audible.com are the largest repository i hope i'm using that word right of on-demand audio content online anywhere books books on tape it is the monday books on tape but it's not just that they've got periodicals they've got articles being read aloud they've, they've got magazines and stuff you know content for you audio content like the content you're absorbing right now but a lot of it is books read aloud on demand for your ear holes Everyone loves a book. Everyone loves absorbing a book. Not everyone loves reading a book. Some people have trouble reading a book. You don't have to, though, because you can just put your headphones in and listen to Anna Kendrick's Scrappy Little Nobody, as read by her, which I'm actually quite keen to have a listen to. I had to listen to the sample on Audible.com. She's got a great voice, and it sounds like a cool book. If you go to audible.com slash try now, you'll get a 30-day free trial plus one download for free so you can test everything out and see how it works. You're going to love it. Audible.com slash try now. Thank you so much for listening. I hope Guy explained what happened because I won't. But I'll put it in the episode description if you if you want to read that. Lots of love to all. And to all, make sure you go to guymontcomedy.com to see his gig coming up if you're in Western Australia. And for the rest of you, Worst Idea Live shows, they're coming up. So keep your ears to the podcast. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Ow! This movie's still it's fine. There's a cool. One of them dies, that guy's screw. One of them's a hot. his name is Jay. One of them looks like Johnny Depp, and his name is Johnny Depp. Classic Maximum Joseph. You forget that films are supposed to have a point.
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you're in New Zealand, come join us for the Little Empire Mini Festival on February 25th and 26th in Auckland. All your favourite shows will be there, including The Worst Idea of All Time, The Male Gaze, The Walkout Boys, and Bonus of the Heart. Details and tickets at littleempirepodcast.com slash live.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.